Welcome to the Bump Fairies podcast. Whoop, whoop. Like the Tooth Fairy, <laughs> only fatter. And prettier. We're prettier than the Tooth Fairy. We too. are prettier than the Tooth Fairy. Way prettier. Uh, we are here to give you the ins, outs, upside downs, left, rights, inside outs. I remember that that's important. Of surrogacy, <laughs> uh, good, bad, ugly, and everything in between. We keep it real, and that means that if you are not comfortable with curse words or anatomical terms like vagina, this is probably not <laughs> the podcast for you. Definitely not. If you like organized legality in your podcast, you're probably not going to get that either. But if you're a freaking amazing human being like we are, then you've come to the right place. I'm Danielle. I'm Kate. And I'm Heather. Peace out, guys. Hello, hello, hello. We are back again. And today we are going to be talking about qualifications and timelines for surrogacy. Hurry up and wait. Should we sit here for like five minutes in right? silence before silence. we tell them just to give just them like a little lesson? <laughs> the patience. Like. This is a lesson yeah. in patience. It's true. Well, let's talk about qualifications first and we can make them wait for timelines. Yes. <laughs> like everybody always waits for their calendar. Oh, and they're legal. And oh, for their IP to freaking notarize the dang document. (laughs) Yeah. So qualifications. What are some basic ones? You need to have given birth to a child previously. That you're raising. You have to be raising at least one of the children you've birthed. For the love of all things. And people are always like, why? Why? Well, because if you've never been pregnant and you've never delivered, why the shit is anybody going to spend tens of thousands of dollars to figure out whether you can do it or not? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, yeah. That after being first of all. Successfully delivered. Like, yeah, like saying, proving that you are indeed capable, but also the raising portion. I've seen that one argued before, and it's like, well, good. We know you can bake them. But we don't know that you're psycho- like psychologically sound yeah. enough to handle this sort of situation and so okay you can bake them but are you going to be able to follow the directions and take proper care of the baby that you are growing if you're not capable of raising your own children yeah because most people don't just give their children away willingly and then want to do a surrogacy right yeah it's usually people who have gotten their children take away taken away and then they want to do a surrogacy and it's like well that's not quite how this works no it's not this how is not this, this quick buck you're aiming for <laughs> so um you need to be is i believe it's over the ages of 21 21 i think mm-hmm. yeah and for your first surrogacy you need to be under the age of 35 or have given birth within two years if you're older than that that was yeah unless I mean, that has changed since then I don't think so, and I I think in general, most doctors want you to have given birth within, like, what is it, seven to ten max? Like, oh, years, years. yeah. Yeah. Like, you can't have a baby and then fifteen years later be a surrogate because, like, nobody knows if shit has cobwebs or what's going on. Changed by then, yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely true. To have given birth within the specified amount of time frame. Right. Another. Oh, go ahead. Okay, another big one is not being on any sort of government assistance. And people, especially often with things like Medi-Cal or food stamps, you can actually make quite a bit of money and still receive these Mm -hmm. benefits. And people are like, well, why can't I 
still do this and that. And at the end of the day, it's because you are supposed to report all income, regardless of if it's taxable or not taxable or gifted, not gifted, whatever. You are supposed to report this income, which would jeopardize your qualifications of these benefits that you obviously need to survive because surrogacy however nice the money is or isn't whatever it's temporary and it goes away and it goes fast and I mean it should not be there to support you should not be there to buy your groceries pay your rent pay your medical bills outside of obviously surrogacy related medical is taken care of separately but it's not that's not what it's yeah, right. for it's, it's not, not a reliable enough income to plan your life around yes no. so that is why that is a general rule that I know see a lot of people asking questions about as to why they don't understand mm-hmm. that's why this is not income that you can count on because it can be this kind of leads into timelines a little bit but you can agree to do a surrogacy and it could take you a year two years before you even get pregnant yeah. and in terms of any money that you see before that point is not, it's pretty much reimbursement for any money spent or time spent. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you need to be financially secure enough to do that. Like, if you have a flight booked for you and the agency reserved your rental car, but your flight is delayed six hours and now you have to find your own rental car, like, you need to be able to secure that stuff and ask for reimbursement later. Yeah, being financially yeah. secure is huge because. This is not, it's not here to support you. And you need, you can't come at this at a desperate mentality. And if you're not financially secure, then there's a desperation in you that needs that money. You can't need surrogacy money. You can't need on it. You can't count on it. You can want it all you want. Yeah. yeah. Especially because if you get yourself in a position where you are relying on that money and what happens if you miscarry? Or if you breach your contract, even if it's an accidental breach, I mean, obviously there are things in place contractually that, you know, try to protect you from accidental breaches. Like, oh my gosh, I went 53 miles when I was only supposed to go 50. Like, I didn't know that it was going to take me that traffic route or something. Like, that's not an intentional breach of contract and that's not something that should worry too much about but there is circumstances that could happen that could cause you to breach contract and in the event that that happens you could potentially be on the hook for all that money and if you are living off of that money that's a problem Mm -hmm. yeah and I think people ask too well what if you used to be on assistance and then that's fine like obviously everybody has a past Mm -hmm. if you are no longer then cool beans great for you like yep Congrats. If you meet all the other qualifications, go for it. Yep. So what other qualifications are there? I know there is STDs. Yeah. That's you a... You can't have had... It's, I know that you can't have had, but it's within a time frame. I, like, obviously any that are still in your system. I want to say the FDA requires a minimum of a year. Okay. And I think that's an FDA regulation. Right. But, I mean, if you don't know whether you have an STD, then... Surrogacy is not for you. Yeah, like... <laughs> You need to keep it in your pants long enough to know where your pants are going. Like, You, depending on the doctor, all of them have different requirements, but all of them have some kind of weight 
yeah. requirement. Whether they use, that they yeah. are comfortable with. Some are as and low as 28. Some are very low. Some are much higher. And I've seen 36. And I've seen doctors that with one surrogate will say one number and with another surrogate will say something different yeah well and a lot of it too depends like it'll be per doctor and some doctors are per situation like if you have a proven fertility if you have gotten pregnant at that weight before Mm -hmm. if you like if you have gotten through the door if they're like yeah I'm willing to see you you have great records you come in and they're like everything looks good and the only thing wrong is that your BMI is a little high they might overlook it. But then but there, they might not. There are other doctors who no. might be like, absolutely not. I won't even see you unless yeah. your BMI is under 32. And then there's others, yet again, who will say, okay, well, I will happily approve you when your BMI is. And you need to lose X number of pounds by yeah. this date yeah. for me to approve you. Otherwise, you will not be approved. Right. And yeah. what a mind fuck that can be. Yeah. And like, it your uterus is really cool, but you weigh 12 pounds too many. <laughs> yeah. And it's crap. It's absolute crap. And no matter how you feel about weight and pregnancy and fertility and the BMI chart overall, it doesn't your, matter. Your feelings don't matter in the they process. Don't. Not even a little bit. So you have to be aware of that. And a lot of doctors also have a C-section limit. Mm-hmm. Three was the previous standard. I've heard more four is more of a common one. Mm-hmm. There are... <laughs> the exceptions to the rule. There are. Okay. That's the thing with surrogacy. There's an exception to just about every rule yeah. that's not a basic common sense rule. And it's going to vary by doctor. People say by agency. Agencies don't actually get any opinions about how it actually works. They only get opinions on who they're willing to work with because of the doctors that they generally work with. Right. They actually say you met parents independently and you guys were like yes match yes great and you have your own doctor and you're like oh we want an agency to do all of the things for us but the agency is like you're too fat well you don't really get a vote if the doctor approved you and the parents want you then you know yeah it is what it is uh and your pregnancies need to have been generally healthy like nobody's gonna approve you to be a surrogate if you had one pregnancy and you delivered preterm it 30 weeks. Yeah, like, full-term deliveries. You need to have yeah. full-term deliveries under your belt. Um, some Again, sometimes there are exceptions if you had an early delivery and have consequently had a full-term delivery. Or if there were but, extenuating circumstances. Yeah. I've heard a, sur- a surrogate that was in a car accident, that that's the reason that she delivered so early. Everything was normal until she was in a t- completely totaled her car. It was the other person's fault, and she delivered at 31 weeks. And yeah. so that had been her last pregnancy, but it was not that her, her body fault. couldn't carry yeah, the right. baby. It was that right. she had a traumatic event yeah. that caused her to go into labor. Yeah. And a doctor with any common sense will look at your records and know yeah. what's going on and Absolutely. whether or not. And if you are dealing with a doctor who won't even do that, I guarantee you that is not a clinic you want to work with right. anyway. Nope. Yep. Yeah. So consider yourself blessed. Mm-hmm. Tattoos is another one. You Tattoos are piercings. You have to be 12 months out, according to the FDA, mm-hmm. before you can undergo Yeah, a lot of, of, like, anything blood work is has nothing to do with the doctors. It's mostly Oh, and out of the country. If you have traveled out of the country yeah, or into a Zika. The, exactly. So all region. of those are, like, FDA requirements. If you live in the United States, just be prepared to deal with them. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yep. They don't care about your feelings or the fact that you wanted to take a vacation. 
Nope. <laughs> like, not oh, you have a cruise to Mexico booked? Cool. Well, you're going to have to be a year out from when you yeah. get back. Which is fine. Which like, is I don't fine. Get when people are like, oh, but, but why do I have to wait a year? Like, bro, go on your cruise. Surrogacy's not going anywhere. Dude, yep. it'll be here when you get back. I do not fine. understand the or surrogacy you feel like you're too old and you don't want to do that and push it out of here? Cool. Then you're going to have to change things so that you don't travel out of the country. Yeah. Like, that's... Yeah, the desperation for surrogacy is not something that I comprehend. No. It is not that I understand the like excitement and the urgency when yeah. you're matched and doing it, but it's like it's seriously not the be all to end all. Like if you are adjusting your life so much to make this work, it's like forcing something. It's like just chill, dude. If it's not yeah. working out, maybe it's not working out for a reason. Exactly. Exactly. Just a thought. What are their basic requirements? Oh, well, you have to definitely, well, even, I guess this isn't the qualification, but after you pass all this basic qualifications, you have to be screened. Should we roll into screening? Yeah. Just the basics of screening? That wasn't kind of on our to-do list, but we were talking about the FDA. You have to do FDA blood work. You have to do doctor-specific blood work. And most of the time, your spouse or significant other needs to do all of that blood work If you're having sex with someone boy girl man woman or otherwise they need to be tested too yep so and it doesn't matter what phase your relationship is in <laughs> like okay you've only been dating the guy for three weeks and you're already you know part way into a surrogacy contract you need to decide whether or not you want to be intimate with that person <laughs> stop boning down or <laughs> yeah or yeah. get you tested need to talk to him about getting tested and they have to be tested through the IVF clinic, clinic, not like, oh, I went and got STD tested, brah. No, nobody yeah, gives no. a shit. No. Like, you have cool to be. Story, bro. Nobody cares. Nobody cares yeah. at all. So, um, and ultrasounds, they'll check your uterus and all of the fabulousness. And if you're one of the very unlucky people, you'll get a mock cycle where they pump you full of all the drugs and then ultrasound you again. Thankfully, I've never had to. I've never had a mock cycle, but I've had a mock transfer. Mock transfers are like easy peasy. People are so dramatic and asking like, "Oh, did you get Valium?" And like, "What happened?" And like, it's like it's, it's like, like no. a teeny tiniest little catheter. It's easier than a vaginal ultrasound. Seriously, like it's a mock so simple. Transfer, chill your bill. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. relax. It's fine. This is fine. And people want to be compensated for their mock transfer. I'm like, you're not getting crap for a mock transfer, like, bro. Did you put a tampon in last month? Okay, you did a mock transfer. Fine. Like, yeah. that's about as invasive as it is. And yeah, even if you think fine. it's uncomfortable, guess what? Things are going to be shoved up your vag very often during surrogacy. So just get used to it. Get used to it and move on. Yeah. Yeah. Now, a mock cycle where they pump you full yeah. of all the drugs and you do the needles totally and different. the and nothing transfer. The and they, if they do yeah. like a uterine biopsy, those are all different things. Those mm-hmm. are more invasive and more involved in. That is different, a different and if than you just told basic you screening. Need something like Google it. There's sauna histers. The sauna histogram and the like, one of them yeah. they inject saline to look at the inside of your uterus. One of them they inject a dye to look at the inside of your uterus. One stands out more than the other. So they just do that to check the inside of your uterus for like inconsistencies, um, little divots, little cysts. Yeah, because by the time scars. you get to transfer, you want to know what your the doctor wants to know what he's getting into. And, like, mm-hmm. where to implant the Literally. uterus, you know, of the uterus. Where to implant the, the embryo. In the uterus. Yeah. Uh, psychological screening is going to be a part of your screening. And if it's not, 
run. run. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Everybody should be screened. You should be screened. I mean, your, your spouse, wife. husband. I mean, I'm I'm indifferent about that one. If they require it, they require it. If they don't, I don't know. Yeah. It yeah. is what it is. But both involved parents need to be, yeah. everyone needs to be screened and cleared by a licensed person. Usually you get the MMPI, correct? Yep. That it's called? Yeah, it's like 80 billion questions about yes. whether you like to hang out in the woods in the quiet or not. And you right. just freaking answer it because you can't yeah. trick this yeah, test. Yeah, you it can't trick it. It knows. Like, so. if you're batshit crazy, they're going to figure, gonna figure it, it out. out. And yeah. if not, then in this day and age of social media, one of us is going to rat your ass out. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yep. <laughs> Other sorrows will, too. Yeah. Damn Seriously, straight. Seriously, if you're trying to make us look bad, we will throw your ass under, under the, the bus, bus so fast. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's enough negative No hesitation. Your help. Seriously. Any of these batshit crazy people that go to the media had been friends with any of us, then we, it would have been a different situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They would have been handled. Yes. <laughs> now we sound like the mafia. Right? <laughs> Back alley. Mafia. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That's the only thing Back Alley about us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, what else? Screening, blood work, ultrasounds, paperwork. Yeah. All the paperwork. You'll, oh, you know what? Bad. If you're looking at surrogacy, just call your OB and call your hospital. Go in and get your records. Yeah. You all your records. should have a copy of these anyway. Anyways. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And yes, I'm harping on you people that don't. Get off your ass and go get a copy of your records about your health and your life. You should have those in your possession. They are yeah. yours. They belong to you. And it, you should have them anyway, like Heather said, because you never know if something is wrong in them if you don't ever ask. And then you've never seen one day them. you're talking to a doctor who's like, so how'd your C-section with the twins go? Hold up, what? Yeah. Wait. What C-section? So get them, check them, be prepared. Yeah. Make sure And then you accurate. can have them altered if they're not. You go back to that yeah. doctor and have them fixed. There have been, I've heard stories of them putting down the wrong medicine. Like somebody got, okay, I'm going to get my Z's mixed up. One of the Z medicines that you take for nausea, another one you take for depression. Zofran and Zoloft. Zofran and there you Zoloft. That it was written down wrong in her chart, so it looked like she had uh, depression because she was taking these anti-anxiety depression meds. She had never taken. So there was like this random note in her chart. It's yeah. like, oh, you've suffered from. No, I haven't suffered from. So you should know what's in your chart. Yeah. And because these doctors don't know you, so that's all that they're looking at mm-hmm. is yeah. the medical records that they're given. And then if you have them, then you can just send them over, and it's much faster and more efficient. Um, We're kind of rolling heavy here, but that's okay. Timelines. Let's see. Don't be prepared to stick to any certain one. Yeah. If you have an idea of when you think things are going to happen, they're probably not. Mm -mm. Everything that needs to happen, you decide to do it. You decide how you're going to do it. You get screen to do it or you match and then get screened some places you screen and then match either way that happens you have a match meeting you move into contracts then you get a calendar maybe if you're lucky you get a calendar (laughs) and then you get another one and then you get the right one Mm -hmm. and then that changes one more time and then you have six weeks of six weeks of meds or so and and you pray they send you the right ones yeah that's yes Oh, yeah. Clinics get busy, people. (laughs) Clinics get really And you have to stand up for yourself with clinics. You have have to stay on top of them because a lot of them are not great. Some of them are good. A lot of them are not good. 
just disorganized. Right. Like, don't assume that anything is right when it comes to you. Assume it's wrong, and then if it actually happens to be right, that's amazeballs. Yes. Yeah. And then you have transfers, and then you have two-week waits, which isn't really two weeks. Uh, no. It really doesn't need start... that name anymore. Yeah. And then and you, you have... never know. Some doctors do it at seven days post-transfer. Some do it at I had 10, one at eight past of three days. I know it was super. That's really early. That would be disconcerting, especially if my beta was twelve. Yeah, and then if you thirty-three, and then then it was so it was doubling properly, but yeah, that's but it was super low. It was it was awful. So let's this one's gonna go a little over twenty, but I think that's okay. (laughs) I just quick timelines from let's decision to do it to match to transfer. To actual baby delivery. If all goes well, it can be done within a year. If everything, if all line the up. stars align, it can be done within a year. That means you you know right away everybody's ready to move forward. You already have frozen embryos or they already have donors picked out and are ready to make them. Or And you're trans- everything is great and you transfer the first time. And the first time it takes and nine months later you have a baby. If everything yes. goes well. It can be done. Let's hear personal stories, like just dates. Oh, God. Okay, so applied 2008, April 2008, applied, matched midsummer 2008, transferred uh, (laughs) January 2009. That one was a fail. Then transferred again a couple months later and then delivered in April of 2010. So it was like two full years for my first journey. So from decision to birth, it was two years. Two years. Wow. Let's just do first journeys. What was yours? Okay. Uh, From decision to birth, first journey was. A year and three months. Literally everything went as plans, as planned. My IFs were only the second couple that I had a match meeting with. We had our match meeting in January of 2011. We transferred in April of 2011, and I delivered their boys December of 2011. Nice. So everything fell into place. Like even the minor delays that we had were not enough to set anything back. Super lengthy. Right. Um, let's see. My decision and then my decision to sign up with an agency were not the same. So I had some like meets that didn't work out in the middle. But my agency sign up was October, a match in December, transferred in January, failed, transferred again in May, and then delivered the following January. So that's 14 months. So about yeah. the same, 14 months. So that and was. And I think like none of us also called out, well, you did like when you match with the agency. Mine was, that was when I matched with the agency. Certainly not when I initially, like, started researching. Right, right, right. When I was done researching and was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. So. I think my longest, was the two years your longest? Yes. We matched me and my German IF. We matched in November. Actually, I've matched in November a lot. That's weird. I matched in November... We didn't transfer until October, and they were born the following June. So, 
almost two years, like 20 months maybe. Yeah, 21 months. That was my longest. My shortest was 11 months. I don't have any of those. All of mine are like fairly quick. At the year or just after. Well, I feel like that's pretty standard. If everything's going yeah. well and you've done your research and they know the parents know what they're getting into right. and you are on top yeah. of things, a year and a couple months right. is average. Exactly. Yes. Well, like my second couple had already had three transfers with another surrogate. And we had already been, like, we were part of the same, it was a, what are, what did they used to be called, like, discussion boards, not mm-hmm. Surrogate Moms Online, but another smaller private one. We were part of the same discussion board during all of that. So, like, the information was already kind of there on the side. The seed was already planted. Right. Everybody knew, including their other surrogate, that if, when that third, you know, transfer, if it didn't work out for whatever reason, that we were going to move forward. So, things happened pretty quickly because we already knew each other. Right. That definitely helps. Yeah. Um, one major delay that I had in that first journey was that they matched with me. We were done with legal before they even started considering who was going to be their egg donor. Oh. Actually, ironically, that was my holdup yeah. with the um, and then, matching to, like, the 11 months. Mm-hmm. And then the egg donor that they picked wasn't available at that time. And then she had to wait. And, you know, she had to go through all the screening and all of that. And then... Because they have their own screening and their legal and and meds. Yeah, 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 meds and everything. And then they all have their timeline. Like, they have their own personal life and when things can work for them. And if that doesn't line up with you, then you might end up scrapping the first choice and finding another egg donor. it all there's so many moving parts to a surrogacy yep so be patient eventually it should all come to fruition if all goes well stay it on does top not of always just control what you can control and the rest like woosa and it's okay to move on yeah it is yeah it's okay yeah. to because you match with someone it is not a marriage of lifelong commitment yeah. sometimes it just doesn't work biologically relationally emotionally yeah it just doesn't work and it's okay to be like you need to find someone else I need to find someone else we just need to stop trying to make this happen yeah like you can't continue trying to fit a square peg into a round hole you cannot so I think that's it I think so peace out bitches